Hilda Zane, welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I'm joined by Diana Marchese, who is the Director of People Experience at Sneak. Welcome, Diana. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. So, so glad to, uh, you could join us today. And sorry, I'm tripping up a little bit because I've been it's practicing Friday. her. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> If anyone's uh, struggling, I, I spelled know. it out phonetically. And I got it right, track. and then I got the next sentence. All uh, <laughs> it's Friday afternoon. All right, I'll I'll have you talk, Diana. Okay. What's your story? Why don't we start with your sto- story, Ooh, Diana? You want to see somebody trip up now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my story. I am Diana Marchese, as Nicole fabulously said, and with no <laughs> no mistakes in the name. Um, I am. I am a dog whisperer, a cat mom, a Boston transplant from New Jersey. I also happen to be the director of people experience here at Sneak. So um, I guess in terms of my story, a little a little snippet into, into where I'm coming from, um, I think I started in the design thinking world before I really even knew what that terminology was. It, it was a bit more organic. So um, to give some context there, I was an art teacher for uh, for some years. So as everyone on this call knows, I would say the best way to implement design thinking is to be a teacher, is to collaborate and, and think holistically about the entire experience of your students. Because as a teacher, you are a coach, a counselor, a caregiver, a... Um, an instructor, a cheerleader, you are all of these facets and you are um, really approaching teaching in a, in a human-centric, student-centric um, kind of manner. So you're focusing on everything from their safety to their zone of proximal development to the level of engagement and the content itself. Um, so I think I already had those tools before I recognized that these were all approaches and facets of design thinking. So fast forward, I swerved, uh, which is, you know, a little pivot there Mm -hmm. um, to workplace experience in 2015. So I think it was an, it was a fairly easy transition in that employees are just very big students. um, And it kind of comes down to that. They all want the same things, right? So the larger whys are very similar to what students want, which is to be heard, to feel safe, um, to have an impact and, you know, stickers suddenly became swag and snacks stayed snacks or catered lunches. But essentially a lot of that was really, uh, was, it was fairly translatable to this new world I found myself in. So fast forward again, I found myself at Sneak in Jan- on January 27th, 2020. So oh, wow. we all know how this story ends. Mm-hmm. A couple of months later, not like four weeks later, we're talking about closing offices and safety and transitioning our entire company to a virtual uh, experience and, and going virtual, uh, which we at the time bright eyed and bushy tailed thought would only be until September or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Yes, that was, again, an opportunity to take all of this and and put it into action, right? Because the pandemic, I would say, was one of the most critical times to have a human-centric approach, to be empathetic and to, to really meet your people where they were. So um, 
that's where we are now and hopefully the upside of that. But that's a, a little bit from where I'm coming from. Such a fascinating story. I always love when people um, in our space come from different backgrounds. Um, I've actually, in, in a lot of my interviews, I've had that and it's the most fascinating journeys. And they also always say, this is where I learned some design thinking mindsets even before I knew what they were. And I love that you talk about the teacher being really a design thinker. And what we then always, the counterpart to that is the child. And in design thinking, what we say, especially when we talk about creativity and drawing visualization, as children, we have had all those skills. And then as adults, we have unlearned them. So it's also that, you know, you work a lot with children, which is mm -hmm. again, you know, probably yeah. makes it helps when you try to get adults to be more creative, right? And you probably have some, I know actually you have some very creative <laughs> sort of icebreakers and warm-ups that you use. So you bring that creativity that you worked with with children also to your work, which I love. For sure, there has to be a level of play to everything, right? Yeah. There, there has to be that engagement. And I, I think if you approach anything too seriously, we get kind of caught in the, whether it's imposter syndrome or the way that things have been done or, or kind of choked up in that respect. So I think a level of play is, is always healthy. And that's so interesting because we, you know, using the word play, even in the workplace has not been embraced previously, mm. right? But now with Lego series play and embracing design thinking and other agile methods, I think we're more, getting more and more open to that. So I'm hopeful and I'm not a creative by nature either, but I just love to flex my creative muscle because we all still have it. It's just with some of us, it's buried more deeply these days than it yeah. used to be, right? Um, cool. So Diana, a favorite question of our audience. So I'm excited. Mm -hmm. What you're going to share is what's your superpower? Can I tell Maybe you? Maybe you have a visual to illustrate as well. This is the most difficult question. This is of all of the questions. play here. Low play. Yeah, right. I feel like I've, I've set myself up for a uh -huh. level of, of expectation here yep. as an art teacher and talking about play. So my superpower, I would say, is I, I found that I've become very good at taking ambiguous uh, ideas and, and being able to turn them into tangible results. So I think with those ambiguous ideas, sometimes it could be very easy to get caught up in, in unraveling just one facet of it. And everybody chases down that. And especially during a time where we are all zoomed out, spending 45 minutes on mm -hmm. one topic of a much larger, broader issue doesn't help anyone. Mm -hmm. um, so I found that um, I've become very good at putting more of those ambiguous issues and topics into buckets to make them more bite-sized, to make it so mm. we can take those buckets and then turn them into sprints and turn those sprints into action and, and taking that larger topic and kind of wrestling with it and, and turning it into something that's manageable. So for example, I think one that most people can resonate with right now, at least within the people teams is return to workplace. Um, I think this is just such a multifaceted, multi-legged and armed kind of beast that we're all grappling with. And it's very easy to be discussing your approach to incentivizing vaccines. And somebody says, well, what about the elevators? If the elevators are crowded, how do we approach that? Which is fair. What about the elevators? But I think mm -hmm. it's so easy to then chase down that one topic and lose sight of the larger, um, the larger issue or what you're trying to solve for. So I, I found that I've, I've uh, just kind of 
brought on a, a couple of tactics in terms of taking those, those larger things, putting them into buckets and, and making them more attainable. So my mm-hmm. image for that, which now oh. that I said I'm an art teacher, makes yeah. me very nervous about how everyone's going to respond love, to my drawings. Love, I love it. But we have the little thinking emoji yeah. um, turning into these are buckets. Yeah. Um, so turning a, a larger topic into those buckets that then turns into the little flex arm, which is action. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say a lot Elaborate. of this is also inspired by sneak. We use we use emojis a good amount. So it, it was inspired by that as well <laughs> so creative <laughs> and what a great superpower to have these days right uh, I think we are just For in sure. a world where attention spans are so short everybody's burned out right yeah. you know, we have all these complex issues that we need to tackle mm-hmm. every day yeah so how do you make that you know, tangible and digestible for people. So what a great superpower to have these days. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how you discovered design thinking and agile and how you've applied it at Sneak. I know you started sort of, you didn't know what it was as a teacher, but then how did you become more conscious about it? And then how did you apply it at your current organization? I, again, think this was a bit more of an organic approach. I would, I would mm-hmm. love to say I've taken more courses and I, I really am up to speed on the terminology. But truthfully, I, I believe the, the concept has always sort of naturally fallen into the way that I approach issues. And from what I found at Sneak, um, our people team as well. So it's, it's, I would say the design thinking is a, a bit ingrained into, way, into the way that our entire people team or, or HR team uh, approaches issues. So very early on, um, an exercise that we, that we enacted was um, we all got around the table and by got around the table, it was a pandemic. So sat at our coffee tables, kitchen tables and got together on the same Zoom and mapped out the employee life cycle. Um, and how each function played a role into those milestones and, and what that looks like for the employee, what we wanted them to feel or, or experience and how we can directly contribute to that and design that as opposed to just hoping it will happen and telling people what they should experience. We, we turned it into action and, and, uh, and sort of came away with sprints there. And I think part of that is a bit of sneaks culture. Um, so our company is obsessed with developers and ensuring that they are enabled and on the HR team, don't ask me about developers and how I can make their lives easier because I will not know anything there, but in terms of employees and our customers, which are are internal, Mm -hmm. um, I think this naturally played out where there, there was a bit of, um, or there was a lot of that approach in terms of empathizing with employees, meeting them where they are, um, collaborating with them early sneak is, the, the culture is very much one that you get most of the people on the channel as opposed to those direct messages and get everyone around the table, the virtual table and, and approach it head on there. Yeah. And of course, now we're at another sort of turning point in, in companies right. journey coming out of the pandemic, hopefully. Right. And that's the fact that most organizations are going to transfer to some sort of a hybrid model. And I happened to see that two weeks ago or so, you were quoted in the Wall Street Journal with a little blurb around, you know, the hybrid work and the hybrid transformation that you've been engaged in at Sneak. Maybe let's talk, because I think this is top of mind for everybody right now, right? So maybe um, share with us how you're approaching the hybrid transformation in a human-centered way. 
For sure. I think, I, I do think this is such a relevant topic right now. And I, I think from what I've seen there, it's very easy to over-index one way or the other, right? Which is either this is the way that it is and you need to be in the office five days a week or, and you need to return to, uh, return to the workplace as if nothing happened or everything's kind of up in the air and you do what you, you will, which then often leads to the questions of, well, what is the expectation? What is my manager doing? You're checking in with other people. What's the, what do I need to come in the office on these days or mm-hmm. a bit more confusion there? So I think the first approach was to understand what was working and what wasn't working from the pandemic. So what were those areas that people um, embraced? I think the reprioritization um, was a big one that we heard um, in terms of caregiving for family, having not having the commute time. Um, and then what were some of the what were some of those pain points? And I think by being able to map those out, we started to create these three uh, personas in, in terms of, uh, what, what what we were hearing from our people in terms of the way that they wanted to work. So we created these three profiles of in office flex or remote. Um, so for those that really took on, took to this remote workplace in terms of being able to do a load of laundry and, and then go back to their desk and, and having that flexibility, um, there is that option. So we, we took all of those, all of those wins that we heard from the pandemic and applied it there in terms of- How did you, you, can I just interject? How did you collect that input from the employees that was used to create those personas? For sure. So a lot of this was just the, the conversations we were having with employees. So Mm -hmm. very early on, we created um, a bit of a check-in cadence with employees. So whether it was, you know, 15 minutes with with 10 employees per week or whatever that may be with just kind of probing questions in terms of what were the areas that like the the pain points they were experiencing, Mm -hmm. some for a more immediate solution, others for longer term things that we had to keep in mind there. So a lot of that was then again, put into buckets. So what were, (laughs) what are the pain points of working remotely? What are the pain points of um, of collaborating remotely, working at a global company remotely, um, and what do you what are things that are missed as well? Um, so a lot of it was from those conversations with employees and and a bit of those probing questions. We also we had surveys as well because not everyone I recognize where we were a company of oh, we were a company of five hundred at the time. We now are at about seven hundred twenty or so. Um, and that's even that, that's a huge lift on the people team who are also mm-hmm. going through exactly what everybody else is. Um, so on that side, we also had more automated formats for collecting yeah. this information. So surveys that were sent out opportunities for um, continuing that conversation. If people wanted to share a bit more on one of the questions, there were comments, there were, there was the ability to uh, put in their name as well. So mm-hmm. cool. It was, and then, so you created these out of that, you created these three personas. Exactly. And then, sorry, I interrupted you there. No, no Just worries. So elaborating on those. Exactly. So I think part of the, part of this was socializing it, right? So part of this is to share that with employees and talk through mm-hmm. these personas and see, and a part of it is to, to hear from employees, what would you choose? But also it's an mm-hmm. opportunity to then hear, well, what about this? What, what, what is it about? 
being flex. So do I need to come into the office five days a week if I'm in office? So those questions really informed how we rolled out the education format um, in terms of the, the questions that we would sort of, uh, we would anticipate. Um, so on that side, I would say next steps were to roll it out in November, introduce it to the company um, and share with them what the expectation was from Sneak, which was, we want you to be able to do your best work no matter where that may be. Um, so for any roles that were specifically, for example, tied to an office, it would be explicitly called out in the job description. Um, and that aside from that, employees could work flex remote uh, in office. And so from there, granted, all of our offices were closed at that time. So this was very much ideation. This is very much, uh, this is what we're rolling out, but we're not going to enact this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, but either way, it was a really great opportunity, again, to socialize it to an even broader audience, which was our entire company. Um, so we gathered more feedback from that. And again, sort of pivoted, said, okay, this is the feedback that we're hearing about this uh, persona or this question is coming up again and again. Let's let's revisit how we approach that. So now Sneak is going to be rolling out flex work in terms of enacting it um, mm -hmm. when offices reach 75% capacity or more. Um, so employees are able to make that selection again. Um, so we'll be able to use the data from their preferences. They'll be able to come into the office, see how they want to work, and then make that selection again at the end of this month. So it'll be, it's, it's an exciting time there. So again, we're revisiting it um, because for some employees, a lot of employees, November was very long ago. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we could all use a bit of revisiting and saying, what does this look like in practice? And I saw you, you used the term revisiting, but you used one in our pre-conversation, which I love even better. It's, you called it, I think, failing fabulously. <laughs> yes. Can, I love that. Can you talk, because obviously from that theoretical ideation through all the iterations that you've done, it sounds like along with the employees, what were some of the challenges or barriers that came up that you didn't anticipate and that you then solved in co-creation or was there pushback from leadership or whatever about this approach? Because there's so many things that need to be weighed, right? From safety to cost to employee experience, all these things. What were some of those maybe sticky points where you had to fail fabulously and how did you address that? Oh, this is a good question. <laughs> that you can share. <laughs> um, I mean, look, in my entire career, I've fail failing fabulously is a, is a theme and then you get up and Love you get it. Um, Love that. But I think some of the areas where we had those, oh, <laughs> didn't think of that <laughs> yeah. moments. Because how could um, you, right? Nobody knew. Exactly. Nobody, nobody knew it. I, I think part of it was the... the return to workplace, I think we, we made the assumption that because most employees had worked remotely, but most all employees had mm. been working remotely for the last 18 months, mm -hmm. um, that the, the behaviors of inclusivity would remain just because mm. the, the, everyone could be empathetic with remote employees. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm just because everyone had experienced it. But we did find that um, 
it's very, it's, it's easy to slide back into yeah. our, our previous ways of working. So for example, having mm-hmm. a call with three people around a, a conference table, um, mm-hmm. and having one person that's on the, uh, like zooming in or, mm-hmm. or uh, virtually dialing in, um, the side chatter, it creates an experience yeah. of exclusivity. Um, yeah. So these are, it's just little behaviors like that we, mm-hmm. we had to pick up on and say, oh, how do we anticipate this? How do we solve for this and, and really cultivate these behaviors that continue an inclusive culture in a hybrid workplace? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just one offhand, I would say it yeah. was, we thought about everything from masks and hand sanitizer, and you're, you're very caught up in making people feel confident walking into the office and, and ensuring that it's a comfortable experience, that there are those details that are, are are less uh, apparent, I would say that you you just kind of notice after. And also, you know, you have sort of a, I guess, a priority list, right? I mean, health and safety does come first, right? So, and if that's not a given, people are just don't feel safe being in the space, right? And exactly. then it's that behavioral component, A, how do people behave safely in the office with each other, right? And mm-hmm. what does that look like? And then in a hybrid world, between people in the office and people working virtually and all people working virtually, right? So, uh, and I recently wrote an article and it's almost, it's not almost, it is, if you're all virtual or you're all in the office from an HR perspective, those scenarios are easier Mm -hmm. than the complexity of the hybrid workplace, right? So I think it's impossible to anticipate or for you to anticipate all these challenges. But so then, so it sounds like so with this as well, the way you solved this was by applying again a human-centered approach. So bringing this up to the employees or how did you sort of co-create then a solution to these behaviors? Oh, for how sure. And I, I think part of this is that this is a, a massive experiment. And, mm-hmm. and I, I would be lying if I said that we had all of the answers, yeah. um, nor do we to this. But I think part of, part of being human is calling out these behaviors and recognizing what the impact is. Um, so I think part of that is just communicating that, look, this is, this is just be cognizant, um, Mm -hmm. that employees are experiencing this. Like we're excited for you to get back into the office. Um, but also recognize that it's not just everyone dialing in on zoom anymore that, uh, we need to, as a company practice more inclusive behaviors and, and recognize that, we should be including others on, on the tone so, or others on the, on the call. So we've started dialing in from our own laptops as well. So mm-hmm. everyone is getting this sort of like Brady Bunch image on the screen. So it's not just one person that's, mm-hmm. that's taking up the entire screen. It's also, it's, it's a visual reminder um, as it, because it's easy to slide back into it. You turn to the person to your right and, yeah. and ask a question. Um, but when you have that visual in front of you, you, it, it's a constant reminder of, what everyone else is experiencing on the call as well. And I love that. And I love that you said this is a huge experiment. And I, cause I think that's where all companies are at right now. And to have this experimentation mindset, the failing fabulously, but then the co-creation and the transparent communication with the employees. And, you know, I always say, let's treat our employees as adults, right? Um, they have managed through a pandemic. They should have earned our trust. And now how do we like figure out the next step with them? Right. And, and I think we've seen companies who have not done this or um, don't do it might find themselves in the media these days. Right. I mean, worst case scenario or and people leaving. Right. We have the what's it, what's it called? The great um, resignation. 
it's yeah. termed right now, right? People are voting with their feet. Um, so, so I true. I mean, I'm biased towards human centered <laughs> co-creation, sure. but I feel especially with this topic, if we don't do that as companies, we we are gonna lose out in one way or another. Oh, absolutely. I think. I think this idea of returning to normal and when I was talking about the, the indexing, mm -hmm. the over-indexing, yeah. it, it, that clearly is not an approach to, or using an empathetic approach, because that would be ignoring what everyone went through for the last 18 yeah. months and assuming that nothing happened between March of 2020 and now that, okay, back to work. Um, I think people are... I think if anything, the pandemic has helped us reprioritize uh, what our needs are. Um, mm. And I think the blurred lines over the last 18 months have certainly helped with that as well. I mean, I see my CEO taking a, taking a call from his living room in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah. I think it's just, it's opened a bit of that, that door to, to the, the lives of others. Um, and and really it kind of forced, not even forced, but I, I hopefully forces companies to recognize the, this is a priority for people and they, they want to be treated as humans. Love that. Um, going back to the design thinking a bit, uh, what's your favorite design thinking resource or hack? Ooh, um, <laughs> over, I would say over the last 18 months when I talk about getting around the table and, mm -hmm. and the likes, for sure it's the virtual collaboration tools. So whether that's mm -hmm. your mural, your Miro, mm -hmm. Um, I truly enjoy that when I was a teacher, it, like uh, having a smart board was, was just, oh, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> it, like having that or the whiteboard. Um, but there's really so much you could do with that. And I think it engages people at another level, as opposed to just conversation, you're applying to different types of learning and different levels of engagement. Um, so I would definitely say your virtual collaboration tools, whatever they may be. Um, and another, I would say is it, it's so on the nose, but staying in touch, I, I think sometimes it's very easy mm. to get locked in a room and, and create a policy or a process based on ideation and theoretics um, that you lose touch with where people actually are. Um, so when I was talking earlier to how we were gathering information about how employees were experiencing the pandemic, what they what the biggest pain points were, the wins were, what should we take with us, what should we be cognizant of, um, I would say however you can get that feedback in as many different forms as possible. So at Sneak, it's funny, but a lot of the most insightful moments are when I have a donut call with someone. So donuts, we have every couple of weeks, you, you have somebody within the company that you normally wouldn't interact with. Um, and it randomizes this, a, this kind of matchup and you, you have a, a 15, 30 minute call. Mm -hmm. And some of the most insightful moments are when I'm talking to employees and just the little tidbits that I hear about what they're experiencing. Like a part of it is, is the way that you question. Um, but I think part of it is also just hearing about people's lives and, and where mm -hmm. they're coming from. Like, what mm -hmm. are, what are the things that concern them that motivate them? What are they worried about? What are they excited about? Um, so whether that's donut calls, uh, or whether that's surveys or focus groups, however, that is just staying in touch with people so you can stay human, <laughs> but also I think just the more human connections you have within your company, the more engaged you are as well. I love that. It also has that uh, element of serendipity, which people always say, 
that's why we have to go back to the office because only there can those moments happen. So it's sort of, you know, how can we bring that also into the virtual world with tools like that? And then also it's almost like also a research tool for you as employee experience designer, right? Because it's unstructured, informal connections that you're making and you're hearing in addition to the structured inputs that you're gathering, right? So yeah. it's you, you stay close to the employees as well in your role, I can imagine. Oh, for sure. I think you always have to keep a, a pulse on, on where people are within the company. When are, when are the ups? When are the downs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I always close by giving you, reading you a quote and letting you react to that. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, let's do it. You're ready. All right. Quote, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Unquote. Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, this, this is, this hits the feels. <laughs> this is, um, I, I think there's no one point that stands out the entire, uh, the entire quote, I think is, uh, is telling and as an impactful and true. I think once you, this kind of literally, we were just talking about this, mm-hmm. keeping a pulse on the office and having those interactions with people, they, respond more people in general will respond more to empathy will respond more to we're seeing this again and again to transparent leaders to leaders that are being authentic and vulnerable and I think any sort of inspiration is there needs to be that connection that that sort of feeling of being heard and seen and cared for um so I I am saving that quote (laughs) <laughs> and I, I think that just captures everything that we were talking about. And it's so impactful, particularly at this moment in time. What a great last word to close out this episode. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was great to have you, Diana. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful being here. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.